everybody. Welcome into this week's edition of the WTOC Weather Podcast. Going to change it up a little bit this week. Go more so the water route. And what I mean by that is let's talk about fishing and weather. Fall is a great time to go fishing. You got the fall bite. And who better to have here to talk about it than Captain Jimmy Lee Armel? You do a lot for veterans. You know the waters better than anybody else as well. So let's talk about what's going on here in the fall. And then, you know, first of all, Jimmy, just thanks for being on this week. Yeah, thanks for having me, Andrew. I appreciate it. And this this fall fishing is absolute madness. Um, whether you're inshore, uh, I mean, really all the way out to the stream. Uh, there's really no reason to go to the stream this time of year, but I mean, because there's so many fish between here and there, right? Uh, and fuels high. <laughs> so, big factor. Yeah, stay as close as we can. To stay as close as we can. That sportsman boat does good, but she does like her fuel. You know, those big boats like them. So what's going on is we have a bunch of migrations right now, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, I'm preaching to the choir here, and I'm sure everybody listening knows this. It gets colder up north, right? But mm-hmm. uh, and gets colder more quickly. So all the water temperature up there is dropping. So, you know, your, your pelagics, your king mackerel, your cobia, your cuda, et cetera, they're starting their southern migration. Um, and why they are starting that is because the bait fish move. Uh, so, so live bait, I, I love live bait fishing. It's my absolute favorite. Rather, I shouldn't say absolute favorite. It's when I, I just want to go out and just catch fish. Like when you don't, you're not targeting anything specifically, You're just trying to get out there and get after it. If I'm inshore, I want live shrimp all day, every day. Um, There's tons of good eating shrimp out there right now, too. You can actually go to Scuba Steve's on uh, Wellington Island, and he he gets fresh shrimp right there. His His shrimp boat is at Savannah Boathouse. So those shrimp right now are delicious to eat. And the fish are loving them. So all these shrimp are piling into the creeks and stuff. They're going to deeper holes to try to stay warm during cold snaps, et cetera. So your trout, redfish, et cetera, are going to be, which is you're going to be your two main targeted right now. Um, you'll have sheep's head, obviously, coming up here, and they're already pounding them inshore. And then, you know, you'll have your black drum. Uh, with trout and redfish, live shrimp, find the rips coming out of the feeder creeks, find the bait. The fish are going to be schooled up, especially your, your trout, but your redfish are too. Uh, if you're going for giant redfish, the bull reds, you want to get, you know, on that raising tide if you're inshore. Obviously, you can find structure. There's those deep holes out in um, all the sounds that you can you can hit for bull reds, uh, breakers, et cetera. Uh, but if you're looking for them on that light tackle, you know, you're in your flats boat or shallow floating boat, you can get up there. And as that, as that water is getting into the grass, you can actually just throw that live shrimp about a foot into the grass. And it's just awesome because you hook up on this giant red. You know, you got a 30, 35-inch red hooked up, and it looks like a weed whacker when the line's cutting through the marsh. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah, I, I bet that is fun to see for sure. So I know that inshore you like shrimp, but going offshore, pogies are still king in the area, right? Is that your preferred method, or what uh, do you well, like? This, this time of year, sorry, Andrew. I mean, oh, you're good. Off, brother. Um this time of year, I'm looking for, for greenies and sardines more. Greenies are my favorite. Um, and, and backing up to the inshore real quick, if you're an artificial guy, uh, get you uh, get you some Z-mans. The, they make some awesome stuff. Just a jig head, curly tail, slow work it on the bottom. You can get their uh, shrimp on a popping cork. 
um, and and work it every three to five seconds. Give it a solid yank because that popping cork mimics bait jumping, and then that attracts attention of fish. There you go. So back to the greenies. My bad. Um, so if you're when you're on your way to the wrecks or you're on your way to the snapper banks, obviously if we see pogies because the one the ones that are still around right now that I've seen are what we call frying size, so they're giants. Um, don't fry them and eat them. Though. I would I would I would not, not good. I would not do that. Uh, but but that's what we call them. Um, so always load up. Don't don't buy pass bait ever this is a really t- cool time of year because you'll be riding along and you'll just see a huge pot of bait it'll look like water ripples um if it's windy it's sometimes hard to see it because wind ripples will look similar if you see it pull the boat out of gear go over there get your sabiki rig jig up whatever it is if it, you can't have too much live bait you know unless you have a tiny live well but know, know your live wells capabilities and and max it out uh if you have two live wells and you can fill both of them do it because you can live chum also, when you go up and you're, you're sabiki in that bait up, especially if there's two of you on the boat, throw a stinger rig out the back with one of those pogies on it. Because more than likely, something has got that bait schooled up. So I've had trips this time of year where you're like, oh, we're going to go to the reefs. We're going to, you know, catch kingfish and black sea bass. Well, black sea bass used to pound them a lot more. Um, and, and we'll do that. And then on the way, you see live bait pod, and you're jigging up bait, and you throw a bait out the back, and you sit there and catch fish the whole time. Right. I mean, fish are hungry all the time. And if you can get out there to where they are, you are going to have some success. And I think uh, taking it down to its basics, obviously you need the bait first and how you find the bait is always looking for the birds. I think that we try to make things too complicated sometimes, but the birds have to eat too. So I think if you find those, that is going to point you in the right direction. Yeah. And when we're looking, I'm glad you brought that up because when you're looking for pogies, you want to see the pelicans diving. Okay. And then if they're, if they're doing what I call a shallow dive, and this is hard to explain without visual, um, they kind of come in at a, at a low flying fast angle and almost scoop their bill. And then they'll throw their head back and eat. Typically when they're diving on pogies is when they do that awesome thing that we all love when they dive bomb like straight down and actually go into the water. Gotcha. Um, so when you see that happening, you're good to go. Also with birds, when you're on your way out, if you know if you see you know any white bird, right, any non-pelican, smaller bird, and they're picking the surface, that's glass minnows. A lot of times you can find some Spanish mackerel or bonita around that, right? Spanish mackerel is delicious to eat. Um, if you clean a bonita right, it's actually good. Uh, but also you will sometimes have kingfish around there, the big ones eating the bonita in Spanish. Uh, and you can, I mean, everybody knows Tybee Roads, you know, you control the uh, Savannah River Channel, just obviously be careful, but go out there and, and troll out there, and you won't might not get a lot of bites, but if you do, he's going to be he's gonna be a giant. Do you think that that's easier to do at high tide? Uh, I, I, I'd or an say, incoming tide? I, I Oh, man, that's hard. That's basically up to the bait. Um, you yeah. know, uh, I, I always like moving water. So if it's at a slack tide, um, usually a bite slows down. Obviously, you have those days where you knock it out of the park. Uh, but it typically slows down. So I like the water moving, and it depends on where it's at. You know, you'll fish one area, you know, for however long, you know, a couple years, same time of year, and you're like, okay, you know, the tide is incoming, and mid, mid-incoming, the kingfish bite starts, you know, at the, the uh, northern edge of the tea reef. You know, I know when the tide slacks, I need to go to the other end, you know, go to, uh, go to the opposite end, and then troll down there. And then sometimes you're like just bottom fish during slack tide. Um, yep. and, but it, it changes, you know. Then this year you go, and uh, at least for me, the couple times I've been out, we'll just say the tea reef again, it's not what it was. 
uh, the fish are out there somewhere. They just changed where they went, you know? Right. So it, that it, it's very dependent. It's all about the bait. <laughs> I got you. I think it, it always is too. Like as humans, we're going to go where the food is too. And we are lucky enough to be able to go to grocery stores. It's not like it was <laughs> back when we were cavemen. So yeah. I, I get that. So what, what are folks catching? Cause I, maybe that I'm just noticing this more and more now, you know, the little bridge there to get to Fort Pulaski. I've seen so many people fishing over there lately, just dropping, dropping bait. What, what are they catching right there? Same thing. Bull reds off the beach right now. And that'll continue for a hot minute. Um, I would say at least another four weeks. Um, it all depends on once again, bait and water temperature. So that's, that's what all these folks are doing on the beach and piers right now. They're throwing out cut mullet. Um, and I'm sure they use other bait too. I'm just using that as most common. They're out a piece of cut mullet on a circle hook and sit there and wait because usually if it's a redfish, they're they're a big one. Yeah, and uh, circle hooks are good. They kind of hook themselves. Anything, so. anytime you're fishing with a, a a weight attached, or really, you should use circle hooks all the time if you can. Like obviously, if you're trolling for mahi and stuff, yeah, J hook. Um, you know, sometimes people use J hooks for cobia pitch baits. You know, always have a pitch bait rigged in case one swims up to the boat because they do that a lot. Uh, so I always, I, I switch to all circle hooks. It's better for the fish. Um, and it's a lot of fun as a pitch bait because you got to wait for the fish to turn away from you. So it adds an element of skill. Yeah. Um, and typically when you get a circle hook on them, it's, it's not coming out. Uh, obviously they'll shake it, this, that, and the other, but I have a lot more luck with that. And then also I know offshore, I don't know if this is the case inshore, uh, you legally have to use a circle hook if a weight is attached to that line. So that's something to keep in mind too. Yep. Um, and once again, it's, it's for the, for the health of the fish. And, you know, we're really starting to lean toward the conservation route right now. You know, I've seen a population change in sea bass, which I attribute to the overpopulation of red snapper in our area. I don't know about other areas, but we have too many here. And, you know, to to your point, just as, as a sidebar, and this is kind of a bummer because, you know, we don't get to snapper fish too often. You know, you get a, a couple of days a year, right? And, and they the, usually get blown out. It was terrible weather this last year, yeah. and uh, that didn't get rescheduled. So that's kind of a bummer because you have a, uh, you know, a food chain, right? Like you were just saying that the kings are going to follow the bonitos who follow the bait fish. Well, if the redfish or the uh, snappers are taking over the sea bass, you know, you kind of have to control higher up. And by not being able to fish that weekend, it kind of takes that element out, which is which is a bummer, but. Uh, they've got their their reasons for doing that, but they are so fun to catch, and it's it's too bad that you can't keep them a little bit more often through the year. Yeah, and that's um that it's 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 a tough thing, you know, because it's like you know Noah Noah does the best they can, and they're 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 covering a lot of area. You know, if you go down, you know, if you're down in the Keys, you know, where I go with Team Starbright to fish, uh, when we're down there, you know, we caught a. a an American red snapper. I think Miss Judy over here calls them uh, uh, the genuine American red snapper. They caught one and they were so excited and I was baffled. I was like, man, I can catch a hundred of these in, in a day easily. And literally a hundred. That's why they call it the snapper it, bank. Yeah. And they were baffled that. Cause I was like, they're all high five. And I was like, ah, like awkward high five. You know, I looked at my big brother, Greg, and I was like, why are we so excited about a snapper, bro? Like I love fishing. I get pumped up, but come on. And he's like, dude, he's like, we never catch them here. So then they came up here and saw, and they were like, what the world. And um, speaking of miss Judy, 
um, her inshore guides, if I remember correctly, were catching small grouper inshore. Now, we, we've we seen that before, but I feel like I saw it more online this year. Um, and, you know, Miss Judy's inshore guides are top-notch. Um, and so I'd like to... I'd like to get her take on that. I'm going to have to t- give Miss Judy a text here when I leave. There you go. Um, but I think what's going on is the snapper overrunning everything so much. It wipes out sea bass population. You know, they call them snapper for a reason. They're pretty vicious fish, uh, pretty aggressive fish. Um, I mean, we'll be in 110 feet of water now and have a flat line out, meaning a live pogey with no weight on it or anything else. And these fish will come off the bottom and eat it. It ends up bottom dwelling fish. So why is he swimming up a hundred feet to eat a bait? Yeah. Um, that just tells me they're. it's almost like I'm, I'm not a biologist. It's like, they're almost too comfortable. Uh, but everybody, you know, I think, well, I know, you know, fishermen are frustrated with it. Noah's frustrated um, with, with it. It's, there, there's got to be an answer, but who, who knows what it is. I know everybody's doing their best. Um, and we're actually with uh, Gray's uh, taxidermy tagging program now. Um, Starbright and um, Not Lucky, the nonprofit we run, has teamed up with them. And that, that's one thing I want to start doing is uh, putting a bunch of the uh, clippable tags that you can mail in um, into Redfish. So if anybody in our area starts catching those snapper before you release them, guys, make sure you cut them off um, and, and submit the information to Graze. Because um, the more data we have, the more everybody wins. Um, and, and that's what it's about. We, we, everybody can win. You, d- you just got to find how. I like that answer. Well, let's get into some more weather type stuff before we before we get on to our next topic. So, uh, you know, the weather's a little warm. It's wild. So just giving you the meteorology aspect of all of this, whenever you've got high pressure, that's uh, subsidence or sinking in the atmosphere. When that is to our north, that's going to block any cold front from coming down. So what does that mean? We're warmer. Even in the 8 to 14 day outlook, we're likely going to be above average. For Savannah, that means morning temperatures above 52, afternoon temperatures above 74 or so. Well, what you need is this time of the year for water to start cooling for you to, you know, kind of observe your normal migration patterns. And the water's, I would say, a tiny bit warmer than it typically is this time of the year, maybe about the same. I, I looked at the pier today and it was around 70. I know you go deeper off and, and the waters can be different temperature. But I wonder if, if you've seen a change in where live bait has been because the water temperature is just a tiny bit different. And then I got, I have another question after that. Um, so the, as the water temperature drops, I always, to me, the magic number, you know, when I'm on the reefs or snapper banks is, uh, and mainly the reefs for the fall, once it hits that 68, that just seems to be the magic number. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think I was in last time I was fishing, Oh, it seems like forever ago. Oh my gosh. It's been like a week, dude. Uh, I think it was, I think the water temp- surface temperature got up to 76 degrees and we fished from 90 feet to 115 feet of water. Uh, and as it cools, we, as it, as it cools up in, you know, North Carolina, South Carolina, more and more stuff's going to get pushed down. Um, so I say it's our 68 degree water temperature. That's the magic number. Um, but now that I'm saying that out loud with a meteorologist in front of me, I think what I'm going to start doing is when the fishing is hot and heavy, I'm going to look to the water temperature to the North. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that's going to be, that's going to be a good indicator. So then we know what's coming. It's kind of a, a precursor. Yes. You know, yes. it's, it's like being able to, for, for me, you know, it's the, it's opposite. Instead of you looking offshore further North, if a cold front's coming down, I can look, you know, what's how, how fast are temperatures dropping with current dew points in Macon and Atlanta up further North in Nashville and see how we uh, interpolate it's a, a fancy word. It's just kind of, uh, you just 
calculate how quickly then you think temperatures will fall for us after that system moves our way. And uh, speaking of systems, I know this is uh, not anything any fisherman wants to hear, but November, weird, right? That we're talking <laughs> about three different systems, four actually. So Lisa made landfalls a hurricane in Belize last night. You've got Martin that is still a hurricane in the North Atlantic. So weird to have, I think it's the first time in November we had two systems at the same time that's being on Wednesday, November 2nd, because it's the third now, um, with max sustained wind over 85. That's crazy to have two. So it's already kind of an odd year. Now, thrown into the mix that we are observing two different areas of potential development, one of which near Bermuda, not worried about that. For local interest, this weekend, we're looking at a broad area of low pressure to develop near the Bahamas, which is pretty late in the game for that. But if you're going to get something to develop this time of the year, it makes sense. It's going to be where the water's warmer, where you haven't had as many uh, interactions with cold fronts offshore. So you get up into the Outer Banks points north, they're already starting to cool off. They can't handle a tropical storm or sustain one. It'd be extra tropical or subtropical. And then you kind of get into all these little subcategories. But we're going to focus on impacts. And, and this could be a subtropical storm or, or something. Who knows? But it's funny, Jimmy, we're watching an area of potential development where low hasn't even developed yet. So this is going to be in the Bahamas, the Caribbean, that area, and looks to lift north Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of next week. How that impacts us? Well, if you have a low to your uh, south, that means the wind will be coming in from the northeast. That's going to be stacking water, stacking waves. <laughs> not good news for fishermen because uh, you're not going to be getting out to the reefs easily. No, and it, it's, you know, and it, it, it is unique as it, with the situation you just described. Um, but this this time of year, it's the, the wind's howling out of the northeast. You know, that's pretty normal. You know, you get a couple flat days here and there, and that's where you got to make the most of it. Uh, you know, and then once again, um, it, it's I, I always tell people that do not fish full time or don't fish for a job or, you know, maybe they you know, I, I fish, which this year has been less. Uh, typically, I fish 250 plus days a year. This year, I'll be over 200 still, but I don't know if I'll hit 250. Uh, a lot of people aren't aren't lucky enough to have it like that. Um, so that being said, that's why I tell everybody that talks to me, hits me up online. Um, and obviously, folks, you guys can leave questions in the comments on Facebook and stuff. I'll answer anything. I'm an open book. Uh, but you know, everybody wants to go to the Gulf Stream. Everybody wants to go to the snapper banks. Um, and it's awesome. Uh, but there's days that you can fish the reefs that you can't make it out that far. So if you can master the reefs year round, and you're going to be able to catch quality fish year round. Um, and, and honestly, this time of year here shortly, you know, if they haven't already, um, the sheep's head should be all over the wrecks now, five miles off the beach. Um, and depending on your boat size and the ability of the captain, you can get out there in some snot and have an awesome day still. Yeah. Uh, and I think the sheep's head will be earlier this year because there is a lack of sea bass shallow. Uh, and and I, I think it's going to be a good year on them because, well, let's be real, it's just epic every year here. We have a really good sheep's head fishery on, on the near shore. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's master that. And then you don't have to worry about the weather as much. Um, and once again, don't forget that inshore is outstanding this time of year. Um, but the Northeast winds when well, none of us like them, but it's what pushes in the cold water. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's, you know, kind of a double edged sword there. You know, we hate it, but it, it's going to make the fish and pop off. Right. And what fish pops off after you get that colder water and that Northeast wind will eventually subside when that low lifts North, I think not this weekend, but veterans day weekend looks to be 
a great, if I'm looking that far out, probably a great fishing weekend, one of the best ones we've had in a while. Well, what likes that colder water coming down south? What bites this time of the year? Kingfish. Yes, yeah, and that's when when, uh, when we take your dad out, that's that's going to be our primary target. Um, um, and you know, I'm, I've been talking about the reefs. They've been catching some kings on the reefs. Um uh, and that's when it, when it gets below 68, I would say around 66. Um, and you've been with me during this bite before. That's when we start using the lip divers and just, you know, trolling five to seven mile an hour. And yeah. it's just knockdown after knockdown after knockdown. Um, you know, I think, I don't even remember how many we caught the one day, but it was, it, it's ridiculous. We're throwing them back. Yeah. 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 I mean, you, you, it was, it was just nonstop. Um, so that's, that is what we have to look forward to. And I'm going to hold you to that. So if the fish don't bite next weekend when we're fishing, you said they were going to, and they I didn't. think they so will. I think, I think that's on you though. That's fine. I, <laughs> hey, I get paid to be wrong. So <laughs> it's all right. And everyone will always say that as, as a dig at me. And I'm like, yeah. And your point, like, cool. Yeah. Like, you made the right life choices. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not trying to, to be wrong. Nobody, I don't come to work and make forecasts to try to be wrong. Cause I'm living the same forecast. I'm not like, Oh, I got these jokers. I said it was going to be a bad beach weekend and I've got to myself. No, I, I, you know, live the same forecast. So I think that, you know, as long as the system moves out the way it looks like it, it will. And to be quite honest, it's hard for models to depict a track of a low until you have a low, you know, it's trying to like forecast where a raindrop's going to fall when you don't have clouds. So it's our, it's a best estimate right now. Once this low forms over the weekend, then we can pick up where the center of it is. And from the center is where we track it from. And then we can break down impacts, timing and what have you. But I think veterans day weekend does look a little better. So maybe you could get some, uh, some fish in the boat. And my dad is, is an avid, avid fisherman and we can tie this into what you do with veterans. My dad, also a veteran, you've taken him out as a treat for, um, veterans day before and created some content for, for your own sake. And that was, that was real great. And I know that he, he definitely appreciates it. And a lot of the veterans that you work with have benefited greatly from you before we get into veteran stuff. Okay. I do have more questions here and we can talk yep. all day. Cause that's what we do. Yes, sir. But you talked about, uh, not to give away all your secrets, but, uh, trolling for Kingfish, mm -hmm. uh, five to seven miles an hour. If the water is a little bit colder, I know that that kind of is uh, sounds counterintuitive because colder water, usually you think, things are slowing down, but that's when the bite picks up. Do you slow down your troll a little bit whenever it's a little bit colder? Or do you think that you just have that sweet spot between five to seven? And if they're not biting at seven, you bring it down you kind of, you know, just play around with it. Yeah. hundred percent play around with it. Um, five to seven is a good general place. I, uh, that's where I normally start. Um, as the water cools and the bait moves out, your bigger fish typically, from my experience, are the last ones to leave. It seems like that they can handle the cold. Um, I have trolled as slow as, you know, three and a half miles an hour with lip divers and caught a lot of very high quality fish. Um, I think the first awesome fall kingfish day I ever had with a client, we had 11 um, that we put in the boat, kingfish, and the smallest was 18 pounds, uh, which is a crazy day. Um, and that day we were actually getting down to, to, uh, you know, three, three, three and a half miles an hour or something like that. Um, and like I said, I think I've gone as low as like two, eight or something ridiculous. Right. Uh, but the idea is when you're trolling, rather you're doing the spoons cause the planers and the spoons are awesome. Um, it's just the lip divers are a lot easier to deal with. Uh, but when you're set up the idea of any artificial is to, uh, you, it, well, especially with pelagics. So you want it moving fast enough that they cannot identify that it's fake, but not so fast that it looks super unnatural or obviously they can't catch it, which kingfish, I mean, they can swim in bursts at like 40 miles an hour. So 
they're going to catch it. Um, and it, it, it all depends, you know, and you can manipulate the, the lure as well if you're using the lip divers, okay? That's another reason I like them. So they might be, you know, it depends on how much line you have out and how fast you're going is, and obviously the angle of the lip, which it will say on the package, is how deep it'll go, okay? Well, if I'm if I'm marking kingfish, the, you know, the quote-unquote upside-down boomerangs that you see mm-hmm. on Wicked Tuna, uh, if I'm marking them and they're not eating it, change your speed. Change your direction. I actually keep notes on my dash um, when I'm, you know, on trips and whatnot, and I'll, I'll have a pencil, and I'll write on my dash. I'll be like, you know, I'll draw an arrow, and the arrow is the direction I'm going in relation to the current, okay? So sometimes they'll only eat going with the current. Sometimes they'll only eat going against it. Sometimes it's a... 30 degrees sometimes it's 60 degrees i don't yeah. it can be anything um and then you know obviously we have those days where they eat everything and that's the days we all love but on those hard days if you're marking fish you're marking stuff and it's not eating just just try something different a different angle you can you can accelerate as you hit the pot of fish that you're working and it'll make the baits dig down right, right? then you know if you're a fleeing bait fish and the fish if the fish are lower in the water column which they are a lot during the fall if they're a little lower in the water column, a fleeing bait fish is going to swim up. So go over that school of fish and then pop it out of gear or pop it down to forward idle and let those baits swim up to the surface, those lures. Um, and, and a lot of the times that'll, that'll trigger a bite, you know, instead of just driving in circles, looking at your screen and maintaining one speed and just throwing your hands up in the air, you know, right. do, do something, be proactive. Well, it is, it is a hunt, uh, to be, to be quite honest, you know, you can't go out there. It's not like you're sitting in a, a tree stand over a deer feeder and waiting for a deer to come by. You know, you have to work a little bit at it. It's not like you're, <laughs> you're hunting at King Ranch, which is essentially a zoo because they're all in there. You know, the ocean is untamed. You have to work at it a little bit. So I always appreciate looking at the analytics of it, of how you kind of, for, you know, as a comparison, you forecast or you adjust or you have this analytical mind of how do you get this thing to do what I want it to? Exactly. And it's, it takes time. And that's why I always love picking your brain at it and then trying to uh, put the weather aspect into it because then it helps me understand it better too. So it's kind of, kind of fun to, to do that. Now, those are kind of my basic questions uh, that I had going in here. Do you change your uh, rod and reel combo at all for, uh, so how would you explain action? Because that's always fun to talk about, you know, with like a rod and reel combo with like more or less action. Uh, Typically that's more so for those inshore, you know, trout rods, things like that. We probably should have talked about it a little earlier to make it flow a little better, but do you change up your your rod and reel combo based on the time of the year? Um, as as far as uh, inshore, I mean, so I, I mainly offshore right. fish. Um, so I, the inshore stuff I have is all heavier inshore stuff. Um, uh, I've got a couple, two really light ones, um, but because I'm throwing topwaters at amberjacks and kudas and kingfish and fighting them on little reels and all, which that. is not what people typically do. No, it's awesome though. But like yeah. we, we uh, Greg and I from Starbright, we uh, we jokingly call it Trout Rod Tuesday because it fits well. But I mean, we'll get on a boat and go offshore, and we'll only take trout rods with us. Um, but as as far as when you're dragging, um, um, when you're trolling, we'll we'll stick with kingfish for right now because it's pretty all around. Uh, what, what I want is if I'm live baiting, I, I want a really fast action, which means that tip is light. You know, you should be able to see that tip fluttering from the bait. Yep. And as you get up and you're in your bigger lip divers, you want to, you know, you want a heavier medium. So it's not, you know, you're not bending over at the tip and you don't break the tip. Right. Makes sense. So going forward here, as temperatures continue to get cool, eventually the 
king bite will subside a bit. And then that transitions into a time that's usually a quieter offshore time for folks, except you have some, you know, more exciting things coming up that you look forward to whenever it gets cold out, whereas maybe not everybody else does. Yeah, we have we have the sheep's head. They move out to the reefs. Um, you know, it's not uncommon. I mean, pretty much every time you'll go out, once you figure it out a little bit, you're from mid-December on, I'd be shocked if you don't come back with at least one seven-pound fish. Um, caught lots of 10-pounders out there uh, and, and some, uh, you know, a little above 10. I think my biggest was 12 and a half or something. Um, so that, that's really fun. You'll have your bull reds out there. You'll have your black drum. We caught like a 68 or 70 pound black drum last year. Yeah. Uh, we tried to revive her. She, she died. Unfortunately, she was an old fish. We, you know, we got DNR, uh, biologists met up with them, gave them the uh, carcass. You know, we tried for about 15, 20 minutes to revive her and she just, just wasn't happening. Um, so that's super fun. And then, you know, that's the time of the year where, you know, we've, uh, um, you know, been trying to catch uh, thresher shark because I'm pretty convinced they come around here and, you know, we've hooked into a couple white sharks before. So that's always a weird thing. Um, yeah. and, and who knows, who knows what'll happen with that. That's a, they're, you know, they're a very rare fish. They're protected. So, uh, but it's not uncommon to see them free swimming out there when you're sheep's head fishing, you know, so it's, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. It's a pr- pretty cool thing, and I, that's another thing I'm really looking forward to tagging this winter is the bull redfish. Uh, so we're going to be putting a lot of tags in those as well um, as we as we come up on the winter here. And like you said, getting tags in there, that's going to make it better for everybody going forward because it gives you that – it just gives – the more information that can be, you know, uh, just kind of taken in, the better we can understand the population going forward. Well, and, and Andrew, the, the thing is, man, and this is, you know, this is how the nonprofit got started. You know, there's, there's two sides to every coin, right? Um, and as we, we move on, you got fishermen on different sides and you got conservationists on the other, like you got conservationists, you got meat hunters, and then you got the law that has to govern everybody, right? right. So really, I guess there's three sides to that coin. Um, it's a weird looking coin. Yeah, yeah, real weird looking coin. Um, so my thing is, is, you know, I'm, I used to be a straight up like meat hunter, you know, I'm like, oh, if it's legal and blah, 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 put it in a box. Uh, you know, and then you start seeing a fishery change and then you look at, you know, laws in other places in the Southeast and what's happened to their stocks as a result, you know, it's like, seems more conservative minded we get than the more fish we have to catch. Right. But, it, you know, and it's a give and take. Um, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what side you're on, you know, cause we can all talk and yell at each other until we're blue in the face. Um, I'm more of a do something about it. Um, and that's why we linked up with Gray's taxidermy. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an army ranger turned fisherman. That's a hillbilly from the mountains in Virginia. You know, like, I'm not, I, I probably shouldn't be a saltwater fisherman. One of a kind over here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I've been, I've been told that before, uh, but it's like, it's one of those things, you know, I'm not a biologist. I only know what I see in the limited fishery. I fish, you know, I fish here. I fish the keys. I fish Lauderdale and, uh, cocoa every once in a while in Florida, cocoa beach. Um, but not enough to know anything. Uh, and at the end of the day, it goes back to, we can all talk to we're blue in the face, but if you can collect data, that's undeniable. So, you know, that's tagging fish. That's when you catch a fish, that's tag, clip it and send it in. 
Um, you know, that's, you know, hopefully eventually here we'll get into satellite tagging if we can get into that. Yeah. You know, it's an expensive thing, but, you know, there's technology out there that tracks um, when the tag releases, you know, tracks water depth and temperature and location. So there's a lot we can learn. And at the end of the day, there's I, I don't see a point in taking in place an argument until I understand more myself and actually have real data. Um, so, so that's what I'd like to see people do. Hit up the local DNR, tag redfish. Um, I mean, let's, let's work together here, you know, and if, you know, whatever side you, of the fence you sit on, once we have the data, you'll, uh, both sides will have their points that they can prove or, you know, present, I should say, not prove, but then you'll have data backing it. Mm -hmm. Um, so instead of yelling and fighting, let's just everybody start tagging. Yeah. I like that. And there are definitely more fish to be tagged going forward. I see it as, you know, the more weather stations that I have across the area, the better that I can tell a weather story. You know, the, yep. the more data, more data is never worse. Uh, I look at buoys offshore whenever we have tropical systems to see like what sea surface temperatures are doing, low level uh, wind shear, things like that. So if I can have more of that, never will complain. And I think that the same can be said for fishermen when it comes to understanding the species that they are targeting as well. Well, Jimmy, is any, anything else you wanted to throw out there going up here, uh, coming up or, uh, any, so, any fun yeah. trips coming up that you got? Um, actually I, I've got to talk to Greg Starbright usually comes up here around veterans day. It's uh, coming up. So I, yeah. I need to reach out to him and see what's going on. Um, uh, if he's coming up, uh, usually we make a winter trip to the keys. Um, one thing that we are planning, um, and this is going to be pretty cool. We're going to do a Mahi rodeo in May. So okay. basically it's going to be you declare, and I have not decided the amount of days, probably three or four. You declare your days to fish. You'll go to a scale that's registered and you'll weigh them. And then, you know, first weekend in June, we're going to do a big award ceremony and an auction. Um, it's, uh, we'll probably limit it to 50 boats, um, you know, and uh, it'll be it'll be a big payout. And uh, every all proceeds are going to go to uh, not lucky, you know, to keep our our gunfighters out there uh, on the water. You know, we take a lot of people uh, from the local ranger battalion here, whether they're still in or out. Um, you know, that's where I came from. Uh, and, you know, that's what got me into fishing. That's, we all, I mean, you've known, you've heard the story a thousand times. People can go back and look at it if they haven't. You know, it's what saved my life. Uh, and it's funny because people think it's the peace and serenity of, like, fishing in the ocean. Don't get me wrong. It is I, to a point. Uh, but, you know, when I take these guys out, we're doing the same thing we did at war. We're, we're you know, we collect information. Right. We develop a pattern of life, right, just like you do on a bad guy. You you find a weakness in that pattern of life. You exploit that weakness to kill or capture your enemy. I mean, so war is fishing. Fishing is war, you know. It's uh, kind of a cool thing. And these guys, uh, guys like myself and my buds, man, um, you know, it's something we can really relate to when you break it down like that. And it also lets that brain work how we were conditioned to work, you know, uh, it doesn't matter if you did, you know, one deployment, you know, certain people that stuff gets engraved in your brain. If you did, you know, a couple deployments, six or so like me, um, yeah, it's probably going to be in you. And I've got guys that have done upwards of 20 deployments. So they're, they're, uh, <laughs> it's, it's really good to keep that brain working in that fashion. Right. And you know, you've given me perspective on this too, because there are only so many ways that you can imitate that kind of nature that you guys are used to in a healthy way back in the States, you know, back in trying to integrate back into civilian life. And I think that you found the perfect way to do that and to offer an outlet for these guys. Cause you've already helped 
you know, dozens, if not almost hundreds of veterans now, because it's been a while since Not Lucky's been going crazy to think about how it started and, and where it's at now. And now you guys are going to be hosting fishing tournaments and raising more money than ever. It's, it's just really cool to see, um, you know, where we're at, uh, where you're at with this based on, you know, where it started. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, uh, it's been an interesting ride. That's, that's yeah. Wild. Uh, but that, that being said, one thing, Andrew, is if, if anybody out there listening, um, you know, if you, if you've been over in combat and all that, and you're going through something, call somebody, if you don't have anybody call me. Um, my information's all on online. Uh, my personal phone is area code five, four, zero, five, three, five, eight, four, two, six. Um, you know, somebody cares, uh, you know, people, people go to some dark places and this is a time of year where it usually picks up holidays yeah. coming around. Uh, so you don't, you don't have to, as cliche as it sounds, you don't have to suffer alone. Uh, I, I know how hard it is. Yeah. Well, somebody else has been, been there and you know, you are the success story of success stories to see where, you know, how things have gone in life and, and where you're at now. So we love you. We're glad you're here. Love, love talking to you as well, bud. And um, glad you're able to share some of this uh, knowledge with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me on, brother. I appreciate it. All right, we'll talk to you guys again next time. And uh, we'll, we'll throw Dave back in the mix next week on uh, the First Alert Weather Podcast, probably talking about some tropical mischief offshore. But until then, you guys be safe, be good, and have a good one.